Let's take our Bibles and please open with me to the 12th chapter of Romans, Romans chapter 12, and I have appreciated the the emphasis on going out and sharing the gospel from a variety of different sources this morning, and the, the implications now of receiving the gospel is what we see in Romans chapter 12. I don't think there's ever been a more accurate or more appropriate rendering of the gospel than there is in the first 11 chapters of Romans. And then in the 12th chapter, we as Christians, as a church, we learn how we are to respond if we have received that gospel. So I think it's very appropriate for us to now to look at Romans chapter 12. Uh, those of you who might be newer to us, I typically have been working through a book of the Bible. I finished a book uh, a matter of weeks ago, so we've just been kind of hitting some isolated passages to try to address some areas in our church that I think uh, we need to just talk about. So this morning, I want to bring to you a message entitled, Opening Your Gift. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. And read with me the first eight verses. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Please pray with me. Father, we do thank you for the great truths here in the Scriptures that we see contained in the book of Romans that each of us have sinned against you. We have violated the law that you have written on our hearts. We all have the wrath of God that is drawn towards us. And yet, In your mercy, you sent Christ to die for us. It granted us the faith to believe in him that we might have a relationship with you and be spared from that wrath. And thank you for letting us live that out as Christians, that our bodies are no longer members devoted to sin, but now they are members devoted to you. That you have given us your spirit. That we are adopted children. And we don't have 
We are no longer under the power of sin. We are now under your power. Now, as we look here of how we are to live in response to that, I pray that you would bring clarity as we look at this, what I suspect is a very familiar passage to many within this room today. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the privileges of being a father and and getting to know my boys is to know what they will like for Christmas and to just track their interests, to track what I anticipate that they will like and, and just purchase it and just wait, in our case, for Christmas Eve night with anticipation to see what it's going to be like when they open that gift. It was a few years ago, and one of our boys, they're all pretty animated, but one of them really does take the cake. And and I had purchased a set of football cards for him. It was the complete set during a particular year. And when he opened that set of football cards, he literally went as high as he could and did a belly flop right on the carpet in front of the Christmas tree. He was so excited. And what is it? It's we want to present our children gifts, and we want them to open those gifts. As we look at the context of Romans, there is a gift that is available to all. It is the gift of eternal life. It is a gift of a saving relationship through Christ. And if you've never trusted Christ, if you never received that gift, we would urge you to do that. But my hunch is that for many of you in this room, you have done that. And I would remind you that contained within that gift is another gift or gifts. They are called spiritual gifts. And so what we want to do this morning is look at this passage to find out what is our response for receiving this gift of eternal life, but that's also going to lead us to exploring what the Bible calls spiritual gifts. So let's first look at these two verses. And I have in your outline, hopefully you grabbed your outline, or if you're viewing from home, you're using your Bible app that has that outline. The first thing we see here is, in response to this gift of eternal life, of embracing this gospel that has been offered to us, is our attitude. Our attitude towards God. And that ought to be worship. Look with me again here at verse 1. Paul, writing to these Christians, says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In response to God sending Jesus to die for our sins and receiving that gift, how shall we live? The first thing we ought to do is offer ourselves to God. We break this passage down and look at verse 1. The word appeal means to come alongside Paul is saying, I want to come alongside and and urge you to do something. It says here, I urge you, therefore, the therefore is in reference to the first 11 chapters of Romans. And then he says, brothers, 
It's an affectionate, warm word to say, I want to come alongside you and I want to urge you, as it says here, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So there are three different adjectives that are used here on how we are to offer ourselves. The first is it's to be a living sacrifice. Now, the readers of this time would have understood what a sacrifice was as they would have been familiar with the Old Testament scriptures of an animal that was being brought forward in a temple and its the throat would be slit and its life would be given out of it. But what is being proposed here by Paul in response to the gospel is not just a sacrifice that is only once, but a living sacrifice that goes beyond just a temple and into daily living. So that's the first adjective, a living sacrifice. But you also see that that sacrifice is holy. We might say it is consecrated. We would say of our own lives, God, I want my life to be set aside, not for my own purposes, but for your purposes. And then the third description there is that 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 will be acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The word spiritual might be, this is intelligent worship. This is the reasonable worship. Just this week, a few of the men in our search committee, personnel committee, were interviewing some young men about the youth and, and music position. And one of the questions that was asked of them was, what is worship or how do you see worship? I think that's a great question. And I think chapter 12, verse 1, informs us of what that worship is, doesn't it? In response to the gospel, we say we lay ourselves down All of who we are. We surrender our rights. And we want this to be a living sacrifice that goes beyond just this Sunday morning, into the afternoon, into the evening, into this week ahead. We want our lives to be set aside for your purpose. We want them to be consecrated. We want that to be worship, whether that includes music or not. That is what worship is. And one commentator that I read spoke about a few people that, that took this literally. The story is told of a Chinese Christian who was moved with compassion when many of his countrymen were taken to work as coolies in the South African mines. In order to be able to witness to his fellow Chinese, this prominent man sold himself to the mining company to work as a coolie for five years. He died there, still a slave, but not until he had won more than 200 men to Christ. He was a living sacrifice in the fullest sense. So the first response in receiving the gospel is that we are to offer ourselves to God, and that's stated in a positive way. But if we look at verse 2, there's something that we are not to give ourselves to, not to be conformed to, and that is the world. Look with me at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This word conform, the, the idea of is pouring into a mold. 
Over a year ago, one of our young boys was diagnosed with diabetes, and so that that brought into some changes into our life. And one of the things that we learned was some creative ways for him to be able to eat some sweets. And, and I remember one of Melody's friends said, hey, there's something really cool. You can get these molds for gummy bears. And there's this cool little jello stuff you get, and you get this little syringe, and you can pour this jello in its liquid form into these molds, and it will take the form of a gummy bear, and you put it in your freezer or whatever, and the little man can have gummy bears as a diabetic. Man, what a wonderful invention. Amen? But the point of it was, what he is saying here in verse 2, is do not let yourself be poured out and conform to the way that the world is, with an emphasis on sensuality, an emphasis on material possessions, an emphasis on I want it and I want it right now. An emphasis on not God or the things of the scriptures. And he said, do not do that, but instead offer yourselves. And then allow your mind to be renewed regularly, present tense. The Bible will will renew your mind as you take the truths of God's word and replace them with the lies of this world. Then you will be able to know what the will of God is. We can know God's will. So the first response in receiving the gospel is our attitude towards God. It ought to be an attitude of worship. But now let's consider the next several verses. Because now let's look at the attitude towards others. And that is humility that leads to service. Verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So, in response to receiving the gospel, we are not only to worship God, but we are to have humility towards others that will lead to service. We are to think of others more highly than we ought. And I might ask you, church family, does that come natural for us? We've got uh, uh, young boys here, and, and I, can I think of one when he was a little bit younger? He would say, I'm awesome, I'm awesome, that's right, I'm, I'm awesome, and he'd have a little tune like that. And we have never had to work on self-esteem for him. <laughs> Quite the opposite. We've had to break that boy and find out that he is not as awesome as he thinks. And that's why I think it says here in verse 3, for by the grace given to me. In other words, we don't naturally have humility. In cruise control, we think highly of ourselves and look down upon others. But as a part of the gospel and seeing the sin of our own life and receiving this gift that God has given to us, it also helps us to see others differently. Then it says there, the last part of verse 3, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. God has given to us faith. And do you know how you get more faith? Look with me at chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So here you have this concept of the renewing of the mind continually, having the scriptures, meditating on it, 
memorizing it, applying to your life. And when you do that and you see how God's worked in history, how God's working in your life, it increases your faith. But that humility is not static. It doesn't just stay isolated. It leads to serving others. Look with me at verse 4. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of another. So what we see here in Romans 12, in response to the gospel, we are to worship God, but towards others, we are to have humility, and then we are to serve them. And the context here is in the local church. And we are reminded of this in in 1 Corinthians 12 as well, that not all of us have the same spiritual gift. We not all have the same talent. And praise the Lord for that. As we think about, you could think of any sort of illustration. I think about football, and and I, I don't know a lot about football, but some of the wonderful experiences I've had on, on two different occasions over the years, I've had a chance to bring the, the chapel message to a visiting team over at the Paper Valley Motel in Appleton. And, and, and as some of those players would come in and I'd, I'd be able to share the, the message of the Bible with them, I couldn't see their jersey because they didn't have a jersey on. I didn't know what their names were. But just by the build of these guys, I could guess what kind of position they played. I could look at these big guys and I'd say that is either an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. I could look at the big burly guys with the broad shoulders and I could say that is a linebacker or that is a fullback. I could look at the the real athletic ones that were sort of skinny and I'd say that's either a wide receiver or that's someone that plays in the secondary. And I could look at someone that had the build like me and kind of look like me and I'd say that's the kicker. That's the kicker right there, right? And in the same way, we are, all, we are all unique. And we shouldn't try to fit in to what everyone else is like. I, I come across this this week. I think this was helpful. I think it's intended to be uh, humorous. It says, once upon a time, this is in a public school newsletter. It says, once upon a time, the animals decided they should do something meaningful to meet the problems of the new world. So these animals organized the school. They adopted an activity curriculum for running, climbing, swimming, and flying. To make it easier to administer the curriculum, all the animals took all the subjects. So the duck was excellent in swimming. In fact, better than his instructor. But he made only passing grades in flying and was very poor in running. Since he was slow in running, he had to drop swimming and stay after school to practice running. This caused his webbed feet to be badly worn so that he became only average in swimming. But average was quite acceptable, so no one worried about that except the duck. Now the rabbit started at the top of the class in running but developed a nervous twitch in his leg muscles because of so much makeup work in swimming. The squirrel was excellent in climbing, but he encountered constant frustration 
in flying class because his teacher made him start from the ground up instead of from the tree top down. He developed charley horses from overexertion. So he only got a C in climbing and a D in running. Now the eagle was a problem child and was severely disciplined for, not being, for being a nonconformist. In climbing cases, he beat all the others to the top of the tree, but instead on using his own way to get there. And here's the, here's the point, is that as these animals have different strengths, each of us have different strengths as well. So here's what I'd like to do in the remaining time, is let's just do a little spiritual gifts 101. Let's look at the remaining part of this passage. It says in verse 6, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Do you know that if you've trusted Christ to save you, you have not only received the gift of eternal life, but that you have also received at least one spiritual gift? The Bible tells us that a spiritual gift, and now I'm, I'm actually quoting from Wayne Grudem. This definition is not from the Bible, but I think it's helpful. It says, A spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and is used in any ministry of the church. So a spiritual gift is given to us as a ability after conversion, and it is used to serve those within the church. I think this is another reason why the local church is so important to us. So we receive a gift of eternal life, and in that gift is another gift, spiritual gifts. And we are to use that spiritual gift within a local church for others. Let me give you another question and answer. What are some of the examples of spiritual gifts? Contained in your outline, on the back side, you'll see the four different passages in the New Testament where the spiritual gifts are listed. And I will tell you there's a typo. The last part, it says 1 Timothy 4.11. It's actually Ephesians 4.11. And also on the back of your outline, you'll see some brief descriptions of some of these spiritual gifts. If we just look here at one of those lists, and that's the passage that we're looking at, let's look at a few of these. In verse 6 it says, the last part, if prophesy in proportion to our faith. Paul is saying, use your gift. Well, what are some of those gifts? The first one, he says, is the word prophesy. I think you see a description there in your, in your outline of what prophecy is. It says there, the ability to declare publicly and persuasively the will of God through the word of God. You look at verse 7, you see a second spiritual gift. It says, if service in our serving. If you look at serving here, it says, the ability to recognize and meet needs cheerfully and practically by caring use of some skill. I think we saw this gift yesterday as uh, we had this event here at church where there was pizza and candy served for the kids. And, and there was some families that arrived early, set up the tables. They set up the food and they did it with a smile on their face. Like, this is great. I get to use my spiritual gift to serve others. We see another one here in verse 7 that says, The one who teaches 
in his teaching. And you see a description there on the back of your outline for teaching. It says, the ability to explain and apply biblical truth and to train others for ministry. In verse 8 it says, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. And in your definitions for exhortation it says, the ability to strengthen people in their faith and motivate them to action. The one who contributes in generosity. So one of these gifts is also giving. And you see it is the ability to contribute generously and sacrificially to people in need and to support God's work. The one who leads with zeal. So leadership is also a spiritual gift. And you see that as the ability to communicate vision and to motivate others to accomplish a goal. And then the last of the spiritual gifts listed in this passage is the one who does the acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And now, mercy is not contained on that list, but you can find these lists in innumerable sources. And one said that mercy is the one who comforts those who are in grief. They have the ability to show empathy to others in need. So here are some examples, and we could work through all four of these lists, but here is one list here in Romans chapter 12. Let's consider a third question as it pertains to spiritual gifts. Who is it that gives us spiritual gifts? The Holy Spirit does. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, it says, All of these, referring to gifts, are empowered by one And the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as He wills. The Holy Spirit offers us at least one spiritual gift. Verse question 4 says, When do I receive my spiritual gift? When you receive the Holy Spirit. That conversion. You see, when you receive the gift of forgiveness of sins... Contained in that gift was another gift, a spiritual gift. Verse 5 says, why did I receive my spiritual gift? I meant question 5. And that, the answer to that is to serve others. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You received a gift for the common good of this local assembly. The sixth question, can this spiritual gift be developed? Yes. Listen to what 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 says, I remind you to fan in the flame the gift of God. This morning before I left for church, I started a fire in our fireplace, and it started out with just a little match with a little flame. And I was seeking to get a draft that that would be fanned. And now that that fire would grow and would bring warmth. And the same idea is that of a spiritual gift. We are to develop it. Once you know what your spiritual gift is, you are to grow and strengthen that spiritual gift. Well, maybe question number seven is of interest to you. How do I know what my spiritual gift is? I think there's a tendency to to immediately go to the internet or or immediately go to a paper-pencil test. I would just remind you that 
when this was written, there was no internet. There was no paper pencil test. So how do we know what our spiritual gift is? I think I got a couple of them there for you, a couple questions. Number one is review a list and description of spiritual gifts. Which one of these resonates with you? When you look at the back of your outline and you see these lists of spiritual gifts, many of those are just common sense. When you see the word teaching, you know that that has to be a gift to be able to communicate truth from the Scriptures. When you think of serving, I think that's, that's self-explanatory. Well, that must mean anticipating a need and being able to do that to be a blessing to others. But some of these other spiritual gifts, you, you might want to read up a bit. And I think you can go online and you say, description of spiritual gifts. And, and there's no shortage of those. And just read those and think through those. Which of those resonate with you? Secondly, as you're thinking about how do I know my spiritual gift, ask the question, what do you enjoy doing? As you look at that list, are you drawn to some of them? You're like, this isn't work when I get to do this. I'd love to do this. It could be that that is your spiritual gift. I mentioned just yesterday how how these dear servants within our church were helping and setting things up, and they were doing like, I, I just love doing this. I love participating in this. I would also say of spiritual gifts that if there's nothing wrong with just trying things out. Sometimes you try a ministry opportunity and you find out, I'm not gifted in this, and that's okay. You can try another area of ministry. Here's another question in determining what your spiritual gift is. How do you see the Holy Spirit leading you? If this is so important, if God has given you a spiritual gift, it's, it's on you and others and the help of others to find out what that spiritual gift is. Pray about it. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him, James 1.5. And then another question, what ministry in my life is God blessing? If you are in an area and you really enjoy doing it, and, and you are being affirmed in that area, and people are coming alongside saying, you know what, you're really gifted in this, that very well could be your spiritual gift. Letter E there, another question is, what gifts do others see in me? And so this is a community project. As you are about your life and you're ministering here at Highland Crest, it's okay for you to say, hey, what, what sort of gifts do you see in me? And God may use that to confirm your spiritual gifts. Let me just share with you my story. You know, it doesn't seem all that long ago, but I was in those chairs. And I came to Highland Crest as a baby Christian. And I kept hearing stuff about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts? What are spiritual gifts? And I was encouraged, here, take this, take this paper pencil test, and, and, and that can give you some focus. And so I did. And so I took it. And then I remember a man standing up here one morning and saying, hey, we have a need for a junior high boys teacher. And I thought, now that sounds like an interesting 
option for me to participate in. And, and so I said, I, I would be happy to do that. And so I like to teach. And so I, I sat down with these young men and I did my best to keep their attention. We would go to a Brewers game, a Bucks game. And you know what? I really liked it. And no one was falling asleep during class. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'm okay at this. And then you know what happened within the church? Someone would come up to me and say, hey, we have an option on a Wednesday night. And we need someone to teach evangelism explosion. Would you be willing to do that? I'd love to teach. And if it's about evangelism, I would love to do that. And and the, the momentum just started for me. Then I can remember a time where right over here was this massive thermometer. And what it was, was an opportunity for the church to give towards a building project in the basement. And we were trying to raise money to renovate the basement and make it useful for for a fellowship hall or for classroom space. And then there would be men that would come up and stand right here. I remember a dear man named Carl. I remember a dear man named Roy, the, the one that had that built that pulpit that was once here. And I want you to know, Roy, I had nothing to do with removing this pulpit. <laughs> it was not my idea. And they would give updates. They would give updates. Hey, we, this week what we need is we need some guys to, to hang up some insulation. And I said, well, that sounds like a lot of fun. I've never done that, but... I mean, how hard can that be? And I remember coming up one week and, and I hung insulation, had all that stuff fall on my neck and in my shoulders. And I thought, man, what a job this is. But anyway, you know what happened to me, though, as a result of that? That basement was not Highland Crest basement. That was my basement. Why? Because I had, I had some sweat equity in that. And I was excited about that. And here's something I learned about those experiences. From that, I learned my spiritual gift was teaching and serving. And Highland Crest didn't become my church until I started serving Highland Crest. And I would just encourage you, loved ones, you you might have your name on the roll here, and you might identify it, this is my church And I'm not saying it's not your church, but it really becomes your church when you learn your spiritual gift and you serve in your spiritual gift. So I got a couple assignments for you, okay? I got an assignment for you this week, and I'm not joking. What I'd like you to do is if you do not know your spiritual gift, for you to take some time out of your week, and to work through these questions. Take some time to pray. Look over a list of spiritual gifts. Talk with people who know you well. And try to get that down to one or two or three spiritual gifts. Say, this is who it is. By the way, there's a tool that you see on your outline. It's called Free Shape Test. Years ago here at Highland Crest, I would do about a six or seven week class on finding your ministry here. Well, instead of doing six to seven weeks of that, you can do about one or two hours and you can work through the inventory on that website. And it will help you learn your spiritual gift. 
It'll help you know what you're passionate about, what your abilities are, even some personality tests, and how God wants to use your experiences, painful and good, for specific ministry. And then here's what I would like you to do. Do you see that, that email address there? At info at Highland Crest Baptist. Ginger has a database of all the church members, all of our guests. And, and that database has a feature where we can record your spiritual gift. And so when we have an opportunity as a project, and we need some teachers, or we need some servants, we can go and say, let's look up that spiritual gift database, and let's identify them. And then let's mobilize them to serve in this way. Now, that might bother you that we would have a database with some of your information. And, and we're not going to sell that unless the offerings, you know, start turning around a little bit. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. So the first thing is for you, and I'm serious, make this a priority this week. How many of you know your spiritual gifts? Oh, there's a good, a good portion of it. Then, then what I'm asking of you it's just to email ginger at info at highlandcrestbaptist.com and tell her what your spiritual gift is so she can just go right away and enter your spiritual gift. And I'm saying to you that are watching this at home, I'm assigning this to you as well. Please do this. Now here's your second assignment. That's not just for this week, but it's the rest of your Christian life. Serve in your spiritual gift. Find out what that is. And, and you will have joy in it, and you will have fruitfulness in it. There's one other thing I need to say. And if I don't say this, it's going to be incomplete. Just because there's something that is needed here at Highland Crest, and it does not fit your spiritual gift, you know where I'm going, doesn't mean that you ought not to help in that area. Some would say, you know, I don't have the gift of the evangelist but you are called to share the gospel with people. I don't have the gift of giving. But when there is a need, you, you, are, you are called to tithe. You are called, as God puts it on your heart, to help a person in need. You are responsible to obey him, whether that's your spiritual gift or not. Do you realize that, loved ones? He has not only given you a gift of eternal life, contained in that gift is a spiritual gift. It's my responsibility to urge you to explore it, to give you the tools to discover it. Now, I'm going to sleep good tonight because it's now your responsibility to discover what that is and to use it. And if you need some help, I'm here for you. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you uh, for this time where we could just see what the Bible says and what joy there is in serving at the local church. And what is it as an appropriate response to uh, receiving the gospel? It's to worship you. It's to be humil humble towards others, but to serve others. So help us to know what our gift is and help us to go all in in serving that way. In Jesus' name, amen.